UFO round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Okay, so hello and welcome one and all to the monthly Roundup Roundtable, festive edition. As we record this, we're smack in the middle of Christmas and New Year, so a little bit more light-hearted today perhaps, and uh, we have a few extra guests to join the fun. My name is Frank, UFO Thinker Podcast, and I'm joined as always by the two co-hosts of Pursuit of the Paranormal, Ash and Greg. How are hello. you, chaps? Hello, very, very good. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Seasonal greetings to you both. And you. And uh, this week we have the special privilege of being joined by a US Air Force brother, an individual with unlimited energy, one of the hosts and founder member of Cohen All Beings, my guy DJ. How are you doing, mate? Yeah! <laughs> to the newest member of Calling All Beings, Franklin, yeah! the UFO. Thicker! <laughs> yes! Amen! There's that unlimited energy that I was referring <laughs> to. <laughs> so, uh, also making a uh, return appearance, always welcome to the round table, the mm. magical musical Thunderbird, aka Charlotte. Ow! How are you doing? Thank you, you very okay? much. Amazing, mate. Ow! What an intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. There we go. That is a quite cool sound, that thing that you've got there. What is it? Party popper. <laughs> yeah, party popper. That's amazing. There we go. Ash is getting properly into the festive spirit, as you can uh, hear there, people. <laughs> so this this could get a little bit hectic uh, with quite a few guests. Uh, we might have somebody else joining us in a little bit. Uh, we'll see how it all pans Ooh. out. What I would say, if, the, if the, some of these topics that we talk about if anybody's not had a chance to read up on one or whatever, um, that's not a problem. Some of these things have happened in the, the last week in some cases, and with all the holiday festivities in full swing, you may not have had a chance to get up to speed. So if that's the case, no worries, just add whatever you want and uh, pass it right along. There's plenty of us here. And uh, if anyone has got anything to add, feel free to use your little hands-up button and I'll try and get to you next. And um, as is traditional, I'll do some wordy introductions for each talking point, and then we'll go around for everybody's thoughts. So, first of all, before we get into the actual topics, everyone had a good Christmas? Yay. Yes. Yes, sir. Yay. All good. Yeah, uh, enjoying the festivities, relaxing for a few days. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think that I think I'm going to get to relax. I drove like 16 hours to so, uh, you know, eight hours down, eight hours back to South Florida with all five of my pets. Uh, went oh. to a Brazilian party with some of the jujitsu homies, and then my uh, with my brother the, uh, Christmas Day, and then drove back. So I'm going to relax. I'm just not sure when that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you know, I, th- I thought I heard some cats in the car with you when I was talking to you the other day. Is that is that oh, yeah. what I was hearing? I wasn't hearing. Yeah. It wasn't my imagination. <laughs> that's cool. Yep. Yeah, that's Two hardcore. Excellent. Sounds like a, I mean the smell, the a smell alone. Road trip. <laughs> yeah, man, there was no smell. I mean, oh. then they didn't use the litter box, any of that. But and we did get to take the cat hiking with the dogs. The, the new uh, one we adopted is really good at hiking. So wow. she went and did that. Uh, we went on two hikes. Uh, but yeah, man, it uh, just the driving is just oh, man, not mm-hmm. my thing. With your yeah. leg. 
Yeah. You've been up to anything uh, in particular, Charlotte? Um, I've been doing quite a lot of work before the Christmas period kicked in. But um, yeah, I've just been chilling, watching TV. I've got no kids, so we can eat dinner when we like. It's amazing. Been uh, at Airsoft outside all day today in the freezing cold on the very top of the only hills around here. Yeah, I was like clicker, regen, respawn point. So yeah. I've just been stood out, people shouting my name all day. So oh, that's have a little snooze. Pretty cool way to spend the day there, I think. A bit of yeah. airsoft battle. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's it always funny at the end, you know. We had um, a Vulcan cannon in action today, so that was good. Oh, wow, that's proper proper stuff then, isn't it? Yeah. Not just the, uh, you know, the small guns, the, the big stuff, eh? We don't mess about, no. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Greg? You been up to much? Uh, well, I finished work on Friday afternoon and I'm back tomorrow, so I don't get too much time off. But no, been able to relax this. I haven't got young kids, so um, they get up whenever on Christmas Day. So not like a six o'clock start or five o'clock when I was little. Um, and I've just been playing Xbox today, UFC on Xbox. So that's about it, really. And then podcasting with Ash last night. That was a almost a shambles at one point. <laughs> oh, we got there. We got there. Our Christmas uh, informality. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, kicked in big time. Blue wickets and that's it. Have you got a blue wicket today, Ash? I'd be I a got a purple. Oh, that's all right. Then I'll let you off. Berry blast is a bit more Christmassy. I think this one. <laughs> I'm uh... on Rioja, but not in a very good glass. So, man, I'm gonna break out the whole wine bottle here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DJ's got a full yeah, bottle. Yeah, I'm gonna teach yoga. I have to teach yoga. After this, so. Oh no. <laughs> Woo! Down it. I'm actually drinking a, a cup of Earl Grey tea because I had way too many uh, whiskey cocktails yesterday. So uh, I was I was going to be having a drink on, while we recorded this, but actually, based off what happened yesterday, decided to go for a cup of tea instead. So <laughs> proud of you, Frank, for all that for all that whiskey drinking, man. So proud of you. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've never actually had, right. I, I really like Scotch whiskey, just single malt Scotch. Um, but this year, I actually thought I'd push the boat out and actually try a whiskey cocktail, which is um, something I never really had before. I've always thought, whiskey cocktail, oh, what are you doing? Just drink the property, you know, drink it neat, straight straight out of the bottle. But this year, I thought I'd investigate some cocktails and, uh, yeah, pretty addictive and it, they go down pretty easy. So ended up having a couple too many of those, I think. Anyway. Hey, Frank, Frank, can I just ask the rest of the panel? Talking about our brother Frank here. Talk about an old soul. Is this man an old soul or what, man? I mean, 100%. he was around like in the 1600s, man, for sure, dude. He's done I'm so much him, drumming. Man. It's like drummed him kind of several decades ahead, perhaps. You know, his body's lacquered. He's drinking whiskey now. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Totally, maybe, maybe in a past life i was like drumming at like the you know the the sheer rock face of a coal mine or something like that i do come from a long line of miners so there could be something to that you know okay. we got to get priscilla okay. and holly uh, hollywood to look into this man surely they can tell us something <laughs> frank <laughs> right. the movie anyway. oh you mean hollywood not hollywood yeah <laughs> hollywood yeah 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 right i think we best get stuck into some ufos here. Eh? we're getting carried away here <laughs> So, what did you expect? <laughs> so, well, I did say it was going to be a little bit more lighthearted than usual, so it's it's all good. Awesome. But anyway, getting into the first um, the first topic for discussion, then 
So there was a case uh, investigated by Ben Hansen uh, and reported on by Chris Sharp and uh, Josh Boswell in the Daily Mail, uh, which went on to be then reported in a lot of other media outlets as well. And it consisted of some very bright lights in a V formation moving very rapidly across the night sky. So there were two separate videos taken from different angles showing the same objects. And the story kind of blew up with uh, tens of thousands of likes on the original post by uh, Ben Hansen and uh, on Twitter, that is. And as time went along, various skeptics and kind of debunkers started to uh, get into their own investigations into it. Now then... I've been in the music industry for a little while, so I've seen a lot of festival stages and outdoor light displays which kind of use a motorized head that can create a very similar lighting effect. Um, so obviously that did ring a few bells when I first saw the, the footage. Um, now, they were the ones that I've seen were mostly kind of pro-lighting rigging companies and things, but these days they are quite widely available to the public for Christmas lights, displays, etc. Now, Mick West, love him or hate him, in my opinion, did a pretty good job, actually, in coming up with an explanation for this case. Now, he, he plotted the angles of observation on a map and managed to locate a fairly uh, fancy um, Christmas lights display right where the two lines of sight uh, met, and then he reached out to the owner of the lights and confirmed that they have a similar pattern of lights as uh, part of their display. Now, it would be good to double-check that, I think, by trying to recreate the shot, but I have heard that that might be a tad difficult um, as you would have to kind of have the exact same cloud conditions and whatnot. But all in all, I, I personally think it's probably quite a good explanation, um, which has sort of been backed up by some of the more rational and trustworthy sceptics and investigators like Finn on Twitter and Chris Spitzer, um, and a lot of opinions have been flying around, so I thought it'd be interesting to, to discuss this a little bit. It kind of opens up a wider conversation a little bit about, you know, hyping up stories and, and whether or not uh, the initial investigation was thorough enough and, and all that kind of thing. In terms of, like, my thoughts, I personally don't think that there's much wrong with what Chris Sharp and Josh Boswell actually did in reporting the story. I think if you look at their track record, I think they've done a very good job of bringing the UAP topic into mainstream news here in the UK. I know Chris Sharp personally, and um, I don't think that he deliberately sort of hyped it up. In my opinion, he was reporting on a story that was brought to him by Ben Hansen, who's a former FBI agent, you know, who said that he'd examined all different areas in his investigation. It was quite thorough. At the end of the day, perhaps something got missed. You know, it's not exactly concluded yet. So, as I say, I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts, but I think perhaps could be a, a couple of minor lessons learned here, but I don't think it's the end of the world. There could be some opinions about to fly. So, um, Charlotte, what are we saying? What do you think of the whole uh, the whole case and, and what are your thoughts on it? I, I can see both sides um, from the point of view of, you know, you want to be a sort of, well, there isn't a problem reporting on a story, is there? You know, that is Chris's job. Um, but I think what, from our UFO community point of view, I suppose we get kind of fed up with like ones that potentially haven't gone through the rigours of checking perhaps before they go out in a story and turn out to be hoaxes later. We always have that problem, don't we? 
So I guess there's a little bit of that. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking about the Las Vegas one, which I thought maybe light pillars and stuff. So I was just thinking about totally the wrong thing anyway. But um, yeah, I, I did see a little bit of the coverage and Mick West sort of talking about the fairy lights and stuff. So I wasn't able to sort of make a determination in my own mind about that one particularly. But I don't see a problem in reporting something. But, you know, you've got to be careful with language, haven't you? You can say something weird has been seen, but... Yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure how far it went in the article, actually. So I'll, I defer to you and all your knowledge. Mm. What are we saying, DJ? What do you reckon, mate? So, mate, I've just watched it for the first time. I was unaware of this, uh, and I've, I've just seen it, and I have not uh, read what Ben had to say about it. So um, can you clue me into what his conclusion was, or at least his hypothesis? Well, I think it was it was just a case of it's unknown. It wasn't exactly like he's saying this is a formation of you know ships from Zeta Reticuli or anything really specific. It was just that this is an interesting case. You know, it seems to be an anomalous object, and we've ruled out a lot of the prosaic explanations. I mean, um, I think in the the actual he did a, the article itself, which had a lot of the information in it about the case. That's like the Daily Mail article, but then. It was also kind of picked up by like I would imagine hundreds of like you know online blogs and things like that who did their own reporting on on the story as well and with varying degrees of accuracy obviously depending on the outlet but I think the initial article that sort of broke the story um, it was I think I'm pretty sure it had possibly uh, anomalous craft or something like that possibly anomalous objects it did have possibly in it you know so it wasn't sort of saying definitively like these things are from Venus you know what I mean yeah. or anything like that. Um, but as I say, there's been a lot of other things written about it. But as I say, the actual investigation that he did, um, the the looked at a lot of prosaic explanations, but decided that that couldn't be the case. And then obviously, as I say, various um, you know debunkers, skeptics, and and whatnot, uh, whatnot have uh, mm-hmm. have kind of looked into it a bit further since the, the story originally broke and uh, determined that. It could be, you know, it's a very strong likelihood that this particular Christmas display, uh, hilariously, it's a house uh, the Flanders family, I believe. As in, mm-hmm. uh, every time I read it, I can't, I, I can't get Ned Flanders from The Simpsons out of my head. But <laughs> apparently, apparently, that's what it was. Um, no offense to the Flanders family. I'm sure you've got a fantastic mm-hmm. Christmas display. So hopefully, yeah, that makes a bit more sense as to how it unfolded. Well, what I can tell you from uh, just looking at it, I can't make anything of that. Um, I would have to have some corroborating data. Um, and I will, I'm going to give you this. And then if you want to address this later in the show, we can recently somebody on UFO Twitter, whom we all know, um, asked me to analyze an investigation that she was doing and she gave me lots of data. She showed me first the photos of these lights then a thermal image of these uh, of what appeared to be a, a source of heat, and then um, she shared with me the video, and then gave me some measurements of the size of the the total formation of them, which were very very large. Like um, it was about six hundred and fifty six feet long, and I want to say about two hundred and seventy five feet wide. If you took the five of them in total together, although they were sort of a disjointed grouping. So um, that I was able to offer some analysis and I, I could not determine what they were. Um, and I'll talk about that later with this. So 
I'll talk about that later if you want to talk about it. But this in specifically, I don't see anything here that I could look at and say, oh, <laughs> Lord, oh, 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 oh. how are the Arabian <laughs> stallions? Never mind. Um, but anyway, um, there's nothing really that I can I can get from that, uh, Frank, based on what what you should what uh, the video showed. Frank, you're on mute. There we go. First time for everything. <laughs> Distracted yeah, by the, the grand entrance of Dave Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was just about to say, uh, for anyone who wondered what the, the this random celebration in the middle of DJ's speech, it was indeed the entrance of Dave Smethurst, the one and only. Oh, dear. Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. Lord Smethurst. Good to Oi. see you all, yes. What, Hello. what have I missed? Hiya, Dave. Yeah, we, uh, we, good to see you, Charlotte. <laughs> right. we, we're just chatting there, Dave, about the uh, the, the, the Ben Hansen case of the, the V formation of, of objects yeah. and whatnot, and uh, I've just added my, my two pennies, and Charlotte and DJ uh, have just uh, been discussing what they think of it as well. I think for what you were saying, uh, DJ, I think it's kind of like radar is quite a big deal with something like that, isn't it? And if you manage to get some reports of these things being on radar, then it would be a bit of a different story it's like you know it well clearly they're not lights if it's been you know appearing a v formation of anomalous objects appears on a nearby radio uh, radar station it's probably not going to be christmas lights is it sort of thing but there wasn't anything um that p- picked up any radar returns in the area so yeah make of that what you will i suppose but, um, i'm sure ash loved it there i'm sure he was his favorite sighting of the what's it that i, I I know, I know how he loves such things. Well, that that's exactly what I was thinking. Well, let's go to Ash, see what he reckons. <laughs> so what I don't understand is how this has just got so much momentum behind it. Exactly. It, I mean, it, there's dozens each year, I mean, probably just in the UK, of exactly the same thing where it's spotlights in the sky. It's the all the same, similar patterns. They all look exactly the same. It I mean, can look weird, but uh, like say this, it takes five minutes to realize, yeah, this is a light coming from the ground, not the other way around. So for a story like this to just gain so much momentum, like I say, I'm just like, why? Like, I have posted on Twitter a little bit, just like, I just don't understand why it's just got so much, like gone so viral when it is. You can literally go on any sort of database, MUFON, MUFORC, whatever, and there'd be tons of these exact same sightings, but none of them are getting the sort of legs that this one has. I mean, like, what Mick West has done is good, but he doesn't need to do all that. I mean, it's good that he has, because you can sort of say a bit more behind it, say, yeah, this is what it was, but you don't need to do that. You just say, yeah, it's searchlights. Google searchlights zoomed in the sky. it show you the exact same thing. So, yeah, that's... that's. Uh, I've looked at <laughs> it, watched the video. I like, no, I'm done. That's it. I'm not even getting involved in this one. It's, it's spotlights. Yeah. Yeah, well, like we've said um, in the past, Ash, obviously, you know, with the database that you guys have with UFO Identified, you have seen a lot more than than most. So those kind of things, as opposed to you, you know, must be, uh, you know, you can you can quickly identify something that you've seen a lot of times before as a as a misidentification. So, it, like I say, this part, I can just sort of sum the names that are sort of giving support behind it. I was like, I'm just a little bit surprised. Like, you know, I wouldn't have expected it. Well, I mean, I mean, it may not be spotlights. It may be something unusual, but to me, it's spotlights. That's why I see some of the names behind it that are giving it support. When I'm just like, it, come on, it's spotlights. I mean, I know we've been waiting for something to happen for a while, but it is just spotlights. So, 
What are we saying, Dave? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the lesson of it is I don't know whether these UFO sightings lend themselves to quick turnaround media coverage. I think that's the lesson of it, to be honest with you. I think uh, they probably dived in a little too quick. I mean, it's always a dilemma, isn't it? You, you want to work with the mainstream media, but they want a quick turnover, and you're not sure if they're going to sort of push it too quickly. And for me, you need to do your due diligence on it. I mean, if Mick West can whip something up in an hour, then you would expect that the people who are giving the story to people uh, will be able to do more due diligence than that. And I think that's the lesson of UFO sites. They don't lend themselves to quick turnarounds. And it's okay with hindsight, and we do want to see investigative journalism. We don't want it stifled, but you're only as good as the person on the ground doing the source work. And there are some issues about what lights were what and what lights were who, and did those lights from that Flanders place make the same shakes? But I saw three of the films, and I thought, even I thought, oh, they look, you know, can I don't know anything about lighting? I thought, oh, that looks like a spotlight. The two where they were spiraling looked a bit more interesting. But then I was talking, I remember you saying to me, Frank, about lighting rigs you'd seen at a lot of gigs. I don't know if you mentioned that already. But, you, you know, you can, I don't know what they all look like. So, but again, the crucial thing for me was with a bit of checking, perhaps, then it would have been, uh, you know, a lot less grief. So I think one has to take multiple sources. And I just don't think they're good for quick turnarounds. I mean, don't want to put people off from doing it. But yeah, I just think it's a bit unfortunate, really. Uh, I know Chris is looking at doing a piece on the Liberation Times, just looking at uh, doing a much fuller piece on it, you know, making looking at all the different angles, really. And I think that's, I think you can, it'll probably be lesson learned for a few, well, maybe not for the tabloids, but, you know, for people who are covering it, covering this, really. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it is what it is. I don't want to put people off, but I do, it does seem to me, I mean, I don't know, but it does seem to me the lights, the, they didn't seem very substantial, did they? Even it didn't even like orbs or anything. But I, I, as I say, two I thought were good, three not so good. And I did think of those guys down in uh, where what was it Wisconsin with the big trailers, you know, with a spotlight on the back. You could easily do that, couldn't you? If you were running around, mm. yeah. But yeah, I think um, like you say, most of it. I mean, like I said, I, when I saw it, I just instantly thought of those outdoor festival stage lights. Um, and I've seen so many of those. Like the lights you can get these days are absolutely amazing. You know, the sorts of things that would have only been for professional lighting rig people, you know, 10 years ago, or whatever. People can just have that in the back garden now. So there's going to be a lot of these. And I'm sure Ash gets sent these types of things, um, you know, all the time. The, the one that did stand out to me as looking a little bit more interesting was that one where there's the V formation and one of the objects seems to come behind, or yeah, objects, yeah. in inverted commas, comes from behind and kind of joins the formation. But then again, yes. like I say, you, there's some pretty amazing lights that you can get that maybe could do that kind of thing and do randomized patterns and whatnot. So it could very well have been that. And as soon as I saw the plotting on the map thing, the two lines of sight point to the Flanders house or the Flanders display, sort of... Uh, you know, convinced me that that was the most likely explanation at this point. But Charlotte, what you what you thinking? You got something to add? Um, all, all I was going to add really is that yeah, I mean things can look really weird, and especially with like the cold weathers that have been happening in the the states at the moment. I think you could get some really weird effects just kind of in the atmosphere, and you know, ice crystals, stuff like that that can happen. But yeah, I've, I'm near Cleethorpes, which, as you probably know, is a you know seaside town, and you get the fair there. You do get spotlights sometimes, and it's freak me out at first they can really sweep around and i wonder if mm. yeah if you had one that was rotating 
it's going to fall on a point and it could look like it was swapping positions and stuff a little bit. But yeah, it's difficult because if you post these things up when you see them, you're not necessarily going to know what the light is and you want to put it out there so people can tell you what it is. But on the other hand, we can get frustrated because we wish people would kind of share more data, you know, maybe check out flight radar and those sort of things a bit more and think about things. And I actually said to Mick West in his thread about this, um, I suggest we try and work on making a sort of compendium video just to help each other look at what do different lights look like? What do things look like? What do satellites look like? You know, flares, yada, yada. So we can all see in, a bit like I think Dave Falch did with FLIR, didn't he? And, um, you know, just be nice to see in a video, like how different things can appear in different weather conditions and educate ourselves a bit. And every time someone puts a video, we can go, boom, here's this video, <laughs> check it out. I'm not saying, you know, everything's got an explanation, but there's a lot of things that I think we could save our time on by not looking at because it's probably just something quite down to earth. Yeah. Yeah, very much. I think something like that would be really helpful, wouldn't it? A common misidentifications kind of guide or something. I have seen a a couple of similar things. I know Scott Brown, another kind of, um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, like an open-minded skeptic, shall we say, um, you know, on Twitter. He's done a lot of that kind of thing. He's got some really useful graphics with various misidentifications on. Uh, But, yeah, DJ, did you want to say something there, mate? Well, bless her uh, at Thunderbird uh for coming up with that that you know and that would require some positive sort of effort on on mick west's uh uh behalf and hopefully he will do that because that that is a great idea uh so that people can can identify what they're seeing without reporting it something that's not anomalous uh on the other hand frank um you know, you pointed out the one interesting thing about that video, which I saw as well, but I, I was like, well, it's not even worth bringing up because it doesn't look real. But just that one that joined the formation was, was the only thing intriguing about it. And by the way, Charlotte, if somebody needs music out there, she's done the music for Cab, for my MotoGP podcast, and for my high school <laughs> podcast. So what's up at Thunderbird? Good. I don't Thanks, know the mate. digits. <laughs> One I'm charging this year, but it'll be like five quid or something or swaps. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go six. So, all right. <laughs> awesome. Right, Greg, what we say, mate? So, living the, I, the best till last. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I saw this video the other day and straight away I just saw searchlights. I live down the road from um, Oxford. So uh, there's a main road, and on that main road, the A40, there is a Christmas tree place. And every year, the same searchlights go up around, and you can see it over the town where I live in. And everybody goes, oh, what's those fun, funny sort of lights in the sky? And everyone's like, it's the Christmas tree place down the A40. And everybody goes, oh, yeah. And then in the summer, I live down the road from Cornbury, and Cornbury Festival's on. Obviously not from now on. But there, there's always a post on like spotted Whitney where I live saying, is anybody seen those strange lights in the sky? And then people go, do you think there might be a music festival on? And it's, and it's spinning and all that kind of stuff. So I saw it. And even that one where it comes in weird, I think they, they only have to be move a little bit, the lights sort of like that on the ground and where they're so high up here in the cloud it looks like they've travelled quite a long way. So I, I, I can't see us anything cover than that personally. But we were talking about a few minutes ago about journalism and 
whatnot. And looking at Ben Hansen's pinned tweet that he's still got up there, that kindly enough, um, Elon Musk now puts tweet views on there as well. So he's had 2 million tweet views of this particular pinned video, which says, breaking now, multiple witnesses reporting orb-like UAPs information over rural Wisconsin with exceptional videos captured at locations miles apart. Fire, police and airport authorities assisting as residents ask for help in identifying the source. To be honest with you, that couldn't be any more sensationalist than clickbait if it wanted to be, especially with the program that he does called Fact or Fiction, when he goes out there and tries to replicate stuff before saying it's this or this. And I swear they've done a lights one before on that program. So that just screams, I need somebody to click and interact. And unfortunately social media now is all about that good or bad so you can put stuff up and it'll be clickbait for a couple of weeks and whether it's good clickbait or bad clickbait it's interactions with your post and it's all helps algorithms so it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you put up shit news or good news fake news or anything as long as people are interacting with your post or viewing it it don't matter it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter because the algorithm just then pushes your content higher and higher and more views. And that screams to me, sorry for ranting, this screams to me that this is all about clickbait because somebody with that kind of knowledge doing that kind of TV program surely wouldn't put it up there first without trying to explain it which is what his tv program is all about and they try and replicate it before they say oh yeah it's unknown or it's lights or whatever yeah sorry about that no the implication (laughs) is that you should really take it down shouldn't you if they're not sure absolutely right yeah yeah, it's a week later so over a week later it's still up as a pin tweet and it still says breaking news and it's bullshit i mean it's it's not a good look that is it i mean i suppose the moral is it's better late and right than early and wrong isn't it and that's the that's what i was getting at earlier really exactly (laughs) you know you know and on that story in the mail it did say probable but there's no probable about that tweet is there and in a way they're relying on him getting Mm -hmm. them the right information and he's like well i don't know about let him down is maybe a bit strong but maybe more due diligence absolutely i mean everybody's adults don't they have to take responsibility yeah absolutely but the people look to people with that kind of credibility within media or whatever and go well if they're saying they can't agree what it is now and he's putting it up saying possible uaps there's got to be something to it and that's what annoys me as a lay person and someone who's not the expert in this kind of field I can see it screams clickbait and it's, yeah. it's crap. Yeah. As, as, as predicted, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of inspired quite a lot of uh, passionate opinion. This one, hasn't it? I've seen this, <laughs> the same thing on, on Twitter and uh, yeah, intense. What are you saying, DJ? Well, I, I would be, I would be a little bit careful ab- about saying that because uh, he was on a couple of weeks with us a couple of weeks ago and he seemed to be very, interested in uh taking up with his family in the holidays and probably doesn't 
care a whole lot about that tweet. And ultimately, what goes on your Twitter feed or what comes out of your mouth, you're responsible for. So, but for me to say that he's interested in clickbait is to say that I know his intent and I don't. And I don't know what's on his mind right now. So I would be careful about making that assertion other than just saying he should take it down, which if it's been proven to be false, he probably should. Or but, unpin it, unpin it. Well, that, that's I know, what we I'm need just to. saying though, but when you say clickbait, now you're making an assertion that you know what his intent is with that tweet. And I would I would be cautious about that personally. I, un- I understand that, but I, I just think somebody in that position putting that kind of content up knows what the reaction is going to be. It makes Simple it well, look that way. But then again, it so whatever, again, whatever you is on your show, it comes out of your mouth mm-hmm. or goes on your Twitter, either that you tweet or on your feed or your retweet, you're responsible for. Absolutely. Which is why I, I when somebody says, like, for example, um, oh, well, um, what's that cat uh, theories of everything? I can't remember his name now. John Mungle. Good. And when he plays a, 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 he puts up a tweet of somebody who said something that really upset a nearly 80-year-old woman in Linda Moulton Howe, and people say, oh, well, he didn't say it. No, <laughs> don't tell me he didn't say it. It happened on your show, or it came out of your mouth, or it appeared on your tweet. It's you, period. So Ben is responsible for this tweet. I would just be careful about characterizing what his intent is with it, unless you know. Mm. It could be a case of, like you say, it's just been Christmas. And because of that same thing, I've not actually seen whether or not Ben himself has actually done a follow-up like article or an explanation to say, right, well, now we've had these extra things come into the equation. You know, the situation's a bit different. Maybe he has, maybe he's not. It's a couple of days after Christmas as as we record this, so perhaps there'll be more to come on that side of things. And if- oh, he's, he's posted since that multiple times on the 21st of December. Mm. So It just shows how easy you've got to protect your reputation as well, mm. regardless of this just speaking generally. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it, I, I, I mean, he's come over very well on your show, DJ, and... Uh, He's built up a good reputation, but it's easy, you know, if you're not careful to, uh, you know, to knock it down, isn't it? Not that this has particularly, but could do, couldn't it? And you've got to be careful and you are responsible. And like you say, I I do agree, Greg, if it's up on there and it's a long time, then, you know, he probably needs to have a think about that. And I think it's the pressure, though. We all agree on that. That he yeah, should take yeah, down. Yeah, I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. if you when you when you ascribe an intent to it, that means that you know more than you than you actually know. That's right. I agree. And, I agree. And one yeah. of the things that he shared with us off camera is how many endeavors that he's involved in outside of what we know. Yeah. And I was yeah, yeah. just aghast at how many things that that yeah, the guys but into. You, and, but, but, and that, but that's the thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The, 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 it's the fix on it, DJ. Excuse me. It's the pressure between. Uh, the media thing to be first and to be quick and turn things over and the checking. And I think with some things that's okay because it's a story and narrative, but with pictures and stuff, with that due diligence sort of element built in, it maybe doesn't lend itself as easy to that really. And there's probably a bit of a sort of grey area there that we probably need to to sort to sort out, I think. And and if you guys are seeing me defend his intent, just see there's Nathan is on my shoulder right here <laughs> talking to me. And Nathan is a he's a very very careful about that. He's very as uh, very charitable, and uh, he he's had quite an effect on me over the past couple of years. Okay, and I'm yeah. glad he has. Thankfully, I'm a better person well, for well, it. 
if you see me nipping out of your back window with your uh, tape recorder in my hand, DJ, I was just going to give it to some poor people down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nathan, Nathan, definitely top top bloke. I think he's had that effect to a greater or lesser extent than all of us. Really, he's a uh, yeah. he's uh, he's a very kind uh, kind hearted soul, isn't he? Did you want to uh, add something yes. there, Greg? Yeah, just saying that in regards to sort of taking down stuff or or rectifying stuff when you know it's not true or it comes to light that the story isn't quite what it was we we had a podcast episode where we interviewed somebody about um, a particular alien photograph that had been taken in Redgate and uh, I followed the, the the director Patrick on Twitter and it came to light that the photograph was faked not by him but he had put the work out so it is very similar and we actually had him back on to talk about that and the impact it had on him the release of his documentary and everything so when we find out stuff that's was fake we'll that's an example where we've got people on and it actually created more content for us to to find behind the story as it were and how it come to be that this photograph was faked so that was, yeah. I mean, that was hilarious, to be honest with you, when you were telling it on your podcast, I'm happy, frankly. Because they both went on the show and said, oh, yeah, and he found out his mate had fabricated it. <laughs> and stitched him right up. <laughs> and they live in a really small town together as well. Yeah, yeah, that's no, no, dear, dear. Anyway. Dear old, dear old dear indeed. But like you say, I think the everybody makes mistakes. We're all human yeah. at the end of the day. We all want, like you know, really interesting footage and, and mainstream mm. media coverage on this topic. Um, but the, the point is, if something doesn't quite go to plan, other facts emerge, you know, it has to be addressed. And it's about how to then sort of take that and make it a bit more, you know, of a constructive thing to bear in mind for the future. I think um, Jeremy Carbell sometimes gets some stick for sort of hyping up stories and whatnot. But actually, I think in, in some cases, he's sat on, you know, uh, cases for, for years mm-hmm. and until he's got every single area of investigation covered before he brings a story out. And I think, you know, I'd suggest that that's probably at least partly because he's under the watchful eye of, of George Knapp. And, you know, perhaps just a little pinch of that approach could have mm-hmm. probably been used here. I think the lights were only recorded actually in the first few days of December, if I remember rightly. And the story was then in print only a few weeks later. So, mm-hmm. you know, as Dave says, you know, best to get the story out right rather than as quick as possible. And uh, having said all that, though, I, I quite like the, you know, the open source investigation that takes place on Twitter. You know, it can be quite heated at times, you know, but it's actually the important thing is that the the truth comes out in the end, whatever the truth actually is. And uh, the wealth of different viewpoints and areas of expertise on Twitter and people in the community are quite valuable if they use the right way. And as I said earlier, I think perhaps, you know, rational skeptics like uh, Chris Spitzer and Finn, you know, could be, you know, maybe consulted as part of investigations to, to cover these kind of possibilities and make sure a case has been, you know, made completely bulletproof before being made public. And, you know, perhaps that's a, a way to sort of take a bit of a silver lining out of this whole thing, you know, like it'll just make things more thorough, hopefully, you know, going forward. And as everybody said there, you know, if you build up an, a, a reputation as an investigator, you, you want to make sure you've got yourself covered as well, don't you? Because it only takes a few duffers for you to throw your rep- reputation away. So, mm. yeah, hopefully something constructive comes of it. Eh? Anybody got anything to add on that then before we move on? All good? 
I think I think we covered it pretty thoroughly. <laughs> to say the least. So. <laughs> you we squeezed like every every bit of juice out of that orange. <laughs> That's it. There's just a little bit of rind left on the orange now, so let's move on to the next. <laughs> let's move on to the next fruit. So um Right, so the, the US legislation, which has been much discussed on my podcast and others, recently passed with the president actually signing the NDAA into law, and uh, this paves the way for various things to happen in the coming years. So importantly, the the scope of the UAP office itself has been expanded. It now reports directly to the leaders of the Defence Department and the intelligence community. Arrow is the new name, the all-domain anomaly resolution office, and even the term UAP has been altered in the wording to mean unidentified anomalous phenomena, which covers all domains now rather than the previous aerial, which specifically focused on things in the air. And um, the office will be undertaking a review of all things UAP and the government's involvement in that dating back to 1945, including any intelligence community disinformation efforts. It will also be coming up with a science plan to better leverage the US's intelligence gathering capabilities to get to the bottom of where these things are coming from. And a particular area of interest for me is the requirement for a secure process, a secure system for anyone who has signed an official US government secrecy agreement related to UAP to be able to come forward and reveal that information to Arrow and to Congress, regardless of the level of classification without fear of retribution or prosecution. And that particular provision is intended to get to the bottom of the long-standing allegations that the US government has recovered extraterrestrial technology and perhaps even extraterrestrial beings. Now, Christopher Mellon recently put out a Christmas Eve article, which I was quite chuffed to see, uh, outlining all of this and providing some further commentary. Very importantly, in my opinion, the article contained a few pretty big, very firm statements on some key issues that Mellon has been extremely cautious on uh, up until now. Quoting from the article, quote, This process began in 2019 when I brought the astrophysicist Dr. Eric Davis to Capitol Hill to meet with staff from the Senate Intelligence and Armed Services Committees. Dr. Davis, author of the famous Wilson Davis memo, provided specific information lending credence to sensational reports that an official US government program is actively seeking to exploit recovered technology that was fashioned by some other species or perhaps advanced AI machines. Unquote. So I think that's pretty big from Mellon, who chooses his words very carefully. And he seems to be clearly naming Davis as having written the notes there, which he's never done before. And also the article goes on to talk about how he's brought others to the Hill to provide information to Congress. And I'm paraphrasing, but how the media should report on all of this to prepare the public for the possible revelation that we're not alone in the universe. And um, obviously, Mellon is known for his measured delivery. And he also goes on to say that, quote, I'm not claiming that the information provided to Congress or to Arrow proves that Earth has been visited by extraterrestrials, unquote. But the Arrow office has some serious leads to pursue, according to Mellon. And it is true that Congress could seek to keep the Arrow's office findings confidential but it is doubtful that this information can be kept under wraps for very long if confirmed. So it's not all kind of sunshine and roses there. There's, you know, a few things that perhaps 
might be worth watching out for. Obviously, Dr. Sean, uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, Arrow's leader, has got a lot on his plate for this coming year. The questions I have around this are, will there be wriggle-out attempts like we've seen in the past to sort of get around these requirements? Does the Arrow office actually have the resources to deliver all of this amazing sounding stuff that we all want? And how much of this will actually be revealed to the public? Um, at the end of the day, only time will tell but it's an interesting thing to, to ponder while you're eating your Christmas dinner. So um, <laughs> what what are you thinking, Dave? I know you've probably got a few thoughts on that. Yeah, what? well, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> well, mild-mannered Chris Mellon went into the phone box and come out as UAP man, didn't he? Very good, uh, because he's absolutely mental. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this guy's been dead careful. Oh, no, we're not bothered, lads. Oh, poor Air Force, don't pick on them. The last couple of months, bit of a vault face. The minute the legislation's passed, he's right out of the traps. So he's been dead explicit. So I think he's been playing it down, playing it right down, like the rest of them have been doing, till this legislation come out. And he's ripped the mask off, as it were, to, to mix my superheroes. And he said, <laughs> uh, and he said, right, we're, we're going for it now, lads. He's, uh, Lou also made this submarine quote, like he was some sort of maniacal submarine commander surfacing in Hudson Bay or whatever. Uh, Avi said, oh, well, I've seen some stuff as well. So they've all seems to have kicked off and said, right, you passed it now. Forget about all that. We're going for it. I mean, uh, I think he says about the media here, but his target, the media is a device by which he criticizes the forces of sort of non-disclosure, which I've written as FOND here, which is quite a nice acronym really, isn't it? FOND, <laughs> forces of non-disclosure. But anyway, uh, so I think you can see, and I also think he thinks these new powers have given him a lot more license to speak out. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a load of stuff, the Wilson Days documents, historical crashes. He said alien presence near Earth, mind-bending tech. Very odd, not the language we hear from Chris. UAP, man, that's the sort of thing he says. And uh, I also think as well uh, that he's also gone for the uh, OUS. He's, the dog's banging at the door there. He can obviously hear me going on. Uh, <laughs> he obviously wants to get in. Or maybe it's these forces of forces I, of non-disclosure. It's <laughs> your quips that we're giggling at, Dave. Yeah, no, 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 no. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, you. so you've got OUSD. He's, he's now said they're out of the loop. He said that explicitly. So he's gone for them. Uh, he's talked about non-disclosure tracking anymore. He said the will of Congress is to reveal this and quote Senator Gillibrand on that. Jesus. And then he said, uh, he's not said what I was, uh, yeah, he's not the media disinformation. He said he's going to be looking into that soon. Seth, he's a double standard as Seth shows that jokes on his whatever <laughs> and he reduced grant fund. And so really it's just a big, uh, it's a big change now. The gloves are off. I think he's been playing it down. And I think Kirk Patrick's now has got no excuse. I mean, we saw that pathetic thing with uh, Moultrie, whatever, the uh, the sort of attempt to head us all off at the pants. Maybe it was his last hurrah before he got pulled off with a big hook on the other <laughs> side of the thing, saying, no, rubbish, get him off. Because he was going, oh, nothing to see here. Oh, no, no, don't you worry about it. Oh, yeah. In fact, Ash, you could have had you up there. That would have been all right as well, wouldn't it? He would have been alongside it, yeah. Ash, in fact, he should have got Ash rather than... So what do you think about that, Sean? He went, oh, well, it's a bit anomalous. Well, Sean, it could have been whatever. Could have been a bit of a reflection, and then he shot him up again. So that was weird as well, and I think they come out with that because he knew we're getting out. So I thought, my old man of Chris Mellon, UAP man, gloves are off. It's all kicking off. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, it, it certainly is all kicking off. <laughs> so, yeah, Dave's what, what, amazing. I just want to say Dave's hilarious. Oh, He's just bless, got me in tears just man. the way he says things. Brilliant. I don't know how to follow that. It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like the Who trying to follow Hendrix. How, how do you do it? <laughs> well, go on, Ash. Let's let's say from you, mate. What do you reckon? I'm actually glad sort of Dave said all that first because I've not actually read past the headlines. And the first thought going on to the NDAA is it just felt a bit like deja vu. We were here this time last year, or was it in January when they signed it last year or this year? Mm. With this new 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 legislation, this new group being formed. It's like it's not just the same thing we had last year. We've seen some stuff happen, but not much. And then going into Chris Mellon's stuff, I literally had only read the headline a couple of days ago where he was confirming the Davis notes as real. Well, I was thinking, why is Mellon confirming the Davis notes as real? Why is he confirming all this stuff? Why is it not Davis? Or why is he randomly now coming out and saying this? So that was my initial thoughts. But now Dave said all that, I was like, ah, okay, maybe that makes a bit more sense. So yeah, I don't have anything to add because I've not looked into it. But yeah, that was just from listening to Dave then, just completely changed my thought on it. Yeah, I think I think the key thing with the legislation is that, like you say, it, you're right, and it's something to bear in mind, the fact that there was very strongly worded legislation went through last year. But I think the the thing was that there was, there was a lot of wriggle-out attempts to get out of the requirements in that previous legislation, which we've seen unfold this year, with the UAP office being sort of changed names every two minutes and, you know, mm. the questions as to whether they even had any resources and stuff like that. Yeah. And this legislation is kind of a real like response to that like okay they've tried to wriggle out of it so what can we do to absolutely tighten the vice on them so that you know we actually get what we want in terms of answers for congress and stuff now the the thing the flip side of that is is it actually going to be enough or are there going to be more wriggle outs that's kind of what i was talking about earlier we'll see won't we we don't know i mean at the end of the day if if these alleged programs do exist the closer like i can't remember i think it was george knapp said recently the closer you get to them the more they're going to actually do work to try and not let you get to whatever they've got there, you know. So, yeah, there's, there's always going to be things to keep an eye on, see how it unfolds uh, as as we go along. But it's yeah, it's going to be going to be pretty interesting to see. Uh, in terms of the um, the uh, thing about the Wilson Davis notes, the thing I found interesting about that in particular was that I think Eric Davis is is basically never himself going to be able to just confirm that outright because of you know things that he's promised to various people and i think part of the actual um condition for even having the meeting in the first place with wilson was that he would never talk about it and he'd never reveal that and so on and so on so i don't think we're likely to hear that from eric davis unless perhaps you know something changes or whatever it might be but Mellon having a very close working relationship with davis you know it's it's a quite a strong indication that you know, it is actually the case that Davis wrote those notes, um, and recently heard the same thing from Gary Nolan as well, who's also worked with and has a lot of respect for Eric Davis. He basically confirmed it clearly as well. So I suppose it's not as though Davis himself has said it, but it's probably about as good as you're going to get without Davis himself saying it, sort of thing. You know, some of his closest kind of colleagues and things like that. So yeah, pretty interesting, but yeah, the. The, the full extent of, of it all is, is yet to be seen, I suppose, isn't it? Well, Frank, um, he said he couldn't discuss it last time, didn't he? Mellon, yeah. or a couple of more. Oh, I'm not talking about it. Oh, it's confidential. Oh, no. So yeah. he's changed his tune a bit there, hasn't he? 
I think that's the big shock, isn't it? Really, that he went from complete not not just clammed up when anybody mentioned it to all of a sudden just literally writing an article saying, "By the way, the author of these notes, Eric Davis." You know, it's like the opposite thing. So, yeah, like you say, Dave, I think it's almost like a, a switch has been flipped, hasn't it? You know, as soon as this legislation went through, you know, he's he's probably he must have had the article queued up, ready to go. I would imagine because it's a fairly lengthy article. I reckon he's probably had that written ready to drop the moment the the president signed the NDAA, which is kind of interesting to think about in itself, isn't it, really, that it was all planned and stuff. But anyway, Greg, you look like you're raring to go there, mate. No, so I just want to address something that I'd spoken about, about the whistleblowers on previous roundtables, where I said that it would appear that although whistleblowers could come forward and they wouldn't be prosecuted or they wouldn't be persecuted, there's ways that they can have their um, roles um, sort of held back, going for future career opportunities being held back. So it's not as a doesn't appear to be as a result of whistleblowing. Now, looking at this report, I, I kind of changed my mind on that. I, I, I think that these whistleblowers will get that kind of um, backing certainly from Congress, and as Dave just said about um, Senator Gillibrand, um, to quote here, it says, uh, in regard, I recently had the opportunity to ask Senator Gillibrand, uh, a leading sponsor of the legislation, whether she would support revealing the existence of alien technology if the whistleblower process confirms those sensational allegations. Without missing a beat, she replied, of course, why not? So... If the senators and government are kind of on board, I, it would suggest to me that the, the whistleblowers won't necessarily have limited um, career opportunities going forward. Um, so I, I just wanted to, to say that that particular piece from Chris there changed my opinion on what I think would happen to whistleblowers, which I'd raised before. So just wanted yeah, to say that. Definitely. I think, I think your points that you raised in the past though were really good points. Mm-hmm. And, but I yeah. think there's, there's a lot of nuance to it, isn't there as well? And it, yeah. it does depend on what stage in somebody's career they're actually yeah. at and so yeah. on. And I mean, we don't know exactly the specifics of this secure system as well. It may be that they can actually come forward and provide information on record via the secure system in a way that is anonymous, you know, and they mm-hmm. don't have to necessarily go yeah. back to the department that they're working in. Everybody, by the way, just let you know, blow on the whistle sort of thing. You know, they might be able to do it in a way that's much more subtle than that and whatnot. Um, and I think the key thing with Mellon is that he's actually specifically worked with these whistleblowers or the potential whistleblowers to craft this language so that like the, you know he's worked with them to make sure they feel like they're covered adequately by these protections so that's interesting to think about but uh, something you want to add there charlotte go ahead um i was just going to add that um yeah the whistleblower thing is one of the things that i've written down as interesting and the fact that it, it includes contractors i'd like to know what that really means and how it could be wriggled out of and obviously that's not saying they have to come forward but you know i'd be interested to see how that kind of works in practice i don't know much about that aspect of things immediately my brain goes eg and g but you know that's probably not even a contractor i don't know so yeah interesting there and yeah i agree with greg i mean like you hope it sounds like it's beefing up their protections and stuff but then part of you doesn't want to get hurt (laughs) and believe it (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. definitely. It's going to remain to be seen, isn't it, with a lot of this and how it all unfolds. But very, very promising, and I think uh, it's going to be uh, one to keep an eye on. What do you reckon, DJ? Well, from a thirty thousand uh, uh, foot view, there's no way other than to look at this as an enormous success. And if we were to make a contrast and comparison, uh, let's say of the homes that we live in compared to like the Kardashians. So like the UFO community would be like Kim Kardashian. And then the Bigfoot community would be me here in this place in Santa Rosa Beach that doesn't even have a pool uh, or even a fence around the backyard. Doesn't even have a so um, <laughs> that's how huge this is. Um, the Bigfoot community is as big as we are, probably has more first person witnesses than we do, maybe, and certainly has as many conferences and, and symposiums as we do, only that they use Facebook and not Twitter, and they have no Christopher Mellon whatsoever. They have no Lou Elizondo whatsoever, whom without, we would not be sitting here having this very discussion today. So gigantic success um that that we have this legislation there's no other way to view it if i were to (laughs) yeah if if i were to try to poke a hole in it under uh where it says uh, protection of systems programs and activity it says the secretary shall ensure that the mechanism for authorized reporting established under paragraph one prevents the unauthorized public reporting or compromise of classified military and intelligence systems programs and related activity, including categories and levels of special access and compartmentalized access programs. The secretary shall ensure that the mechanism for reporting established under paragraph one provides for the sharing and authorized disclosure to personnel and supporting analysts and scientists of the office, regardless of the classification of information contained in the disclosure or any non-disclosure agreement, and here's the cold water, unless the employees or contractors administering the mechanism under paragraph three conclude that the preponderance of information available regarding the disclosure indicates the observed object and associated events activities likely to relate to a special access program or compartmentalized access program that as of the date of disclosure has been, it looks like explicitly and clearly reported to the congressional defense committees. So there is a little, there, there are some outs in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate to be the one to, to point that out, but um, Yeah, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Frank knows, like, although I'm a lot of, you know, a lot of me and our show is sunshine and rainbows and friendship. um, When it comes to this, I I sort of go from glass half full to glass half empty. And I'm sorry that that's the case, but. Well, well, um, DJ, let me fill your glass, mate, because apparently (laughs) the unit, apparently if they haven't been reported to Congress, which none of them have, because they've checked that. The special access program or whatever else, then it's fair game. But it, there's been so, a lot of debate about that. It, it's fair game. I mean, I know you probably know a lot of this anyway, but uh, so I, I think there ain't much wriggle room talking about uh, what's that guy's name, Dean Johnson. He's Dean been Dean pretty, Johnson. and he said there's been none that have been reported. So if they haven't been reported properly, so if they haven't shot, if what is it, uh, 
if they haven't shown you, then they'll have to tell to sort of reverse that thing. And so they've covered that pretty carefully. So I reckon they're going to really, they're going to really struggle to, uh, to get around that. Cause a lot of people, a lot of people earlier on were thinking that all special access pro- programs were, were exempt. I know you weren't DJ, but a lot of people early on. So there's a lot of talk around it and a lot of clarification, but actually there's virtually none that will be exempt, you know, uh, unless they've been even a gang of eight well, or somebody well, of the c- committees. Dave, there's two things. There's what will be reported, and then that, and then there's what you will eventually know. Oh yeah, or not yeah, yeah. know. So there's two things. So under the first part of it, if you have a portfolio, I can tell you uh, that my boss, um, as a GS14, if he had something in his portfolio and he read and this legislation came down to him and he read it and said, okay, you will report. He would report if he was aware. Now let's say you're a GS whatever, and there's a special access program underneath uh, that's in your portfolio that you're not read into. Then yeah, you know, do you the, know what's in that program? No, do you no, know that. what? So, you know, you're at a site, but then out at this other site that perhaps is out West, uh, this or that is going on and, and you don't have the full purview or scope of what, even, even though, uh, those individuals report to you, you may not know and may not be read in. So personally, I'm just telling you, I still think there's a way to obfuscate this information yeah. well, and, you, and you can I, take that. I tell you what though, the 72 hours is interesting because I think they put 72 hours, they have to report it in 72 hours so they don't move it all out of the anger that it's in, you know, so they, when they identify it, they can quickly quickly go for it so i mean I, I, that comes back to this crest melon thing because that's been the debate hasn't it is it all going to be kept secret anyway it's all right doing all this but we'll never hear about it. i know you that was your point was slightly different that's the second but, part yeah, right but, but, but chris melon was actually addressing and this is what made it so remarkable he was saying well no we are gonna the congress do want to uh, and he sort of said that they're going to go push for that which he's never said before but they're going to push for openness now it's no guarantee good but That's it's good. certainly a big change. Now, that doesn't negate any of your points, but it does. It's the first time we've heard that from anybody, any of these people. There's one more thing I want to add to this, mate, and it's about the Wilson Davis thing. And this is, um, you know, obviously John Greenwald has come out and been very, um, what's the word? Um, he's been um, very dismissive of the veracity of the claims made about the discussion, in the document. There's an hour long debate with Joe Mergia that somebody had on their podcast. I don't, know if, I don't know if that was on, I don't even think it was on Joe's. I think it was on another podcast. Yeah, it was Project but, Unity. Okay, thank you. But what I would like to say is for Christopher Mellon to stake his reputation and say, I brought Eric Davis before Congress. I brought Lou before Congress, among others. But the fact that he said Dr. Eric Davis and what he and and what he knew, that means he's taking his considerable national Absolutely. reputation in Congress and in the executive branch uh, and the Department of Defense on that that Dr. Davis is the veracity of his testimony. That to me means he signed off on Dr. Eric Davis. That should mean a lot to everybody because. For me to say, I believe Eric Davis, people are like, I don't care what DJ thinks. But if it's Christopher Mellon, that means that means a lot. Or if it's Chucklehead from UFO Twitter says, I don't believe Dr. Davis and that memo, man, doesn't mean anything. But when someone like Christopher Mellon says that this is legit, that this guy's legit, as Lou has said, that should that should be 
alarm bells should be going off that exactly. that there's something uh, very serious that happened and that and that that, that document uh, is probably quite real. Yeah, very much. I mean, I think it's just as time goes along, the more and more comes out about the Wilson Davis memo. I mean, I'm I'm pretty convinced by this point. I think it's in way up in the ninety percent probability that that is a legit document that was written by Eric Davis, and it is you know a record of a meeting that actually took place and what was discussed in it. And what was discussed in it is pretty mind blowing stuff, in my opinion. Um, going back to the uh, legislation thing, um, I've been sort of really digging into this uh, that particular bit, and uh, I actually. Uh, reached out to D. Dean Johnson, who's become UFO Twitter's resident legislation expert. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, D. Dean, <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple of um, uh, people that I've seen uh, posting about how, like, um, you know, waived unacknowledged saps and things like that might be exempt, and that's how they'll wriggle out. And um, I, I do definitely hear what you're saying, DJ. I think there's room in that wording for potential wriggle outs could occur. Definitely. Um, but in terms of what's being proposed in this legislation, um, the the email that I got back from uh, from D.D. Johnson is about that specific thing, so I'll just read a little bit of it out. It says, uh, the, the protections, non-reprisal, etc., apply to everybody who utilizes the system. If somebody came in and said, I worked on this secret program that had a captured UFO, the cleared people running the secure system would then check the list to see if that project had ever been properly notified to the designated congressional committees, as is required by law. It wouldn't take long because there are no secret UFO programs ever reported to Congress. So at that point, if they find that the information checks out or is credible, the DOD must then report the discovered secret SAP to the appropriate congressional committees within 72 hours. Um, so yeah, a pretty pretty interesting. And I think it's it doesn't actually mean that any SAPs will be exempt as certain people have been discussing, but perhaps there is a bit of room for wriggling out in that particular bit of the legislation potentially i suppose it's uh again one of them isn't it where it all remains to be seen um but yeah um anybody oh charlotte you want to add something there I was just going to quickly add that, you know, maybe Chucklehead expects, you know, when a Navy pilot reports something that it falls upon their lap, you know, as a publicly sort of accessible document. Obviously, there's many layers of reporting and some of these are talking about things which have to be reported to Arrow and they're not going to come, you know, anywhere past that. Obviously, I guess a lot of things are going to be kept secret. I don't know why a lot of them, though, and this is probably me being really naive, why can't they just say, oh, yeah, right, that was a special access program, that was a black project, we can't talk about that. Can't they just do that, ever? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you mean, sorry? This the so, so, like, you know, you, you get, you know, well, one of the things I was just saying was that we have to sort of think that all these things have got many layers, as many a slip betwixt cup and lip and these things are being reported into arrow ultimately not to us yeah, you know, yeah they're not yeah, just yeah. gonna we're not gonna see them just because i've got reported to arrow a lot of them mm. are gonna be kept secret and stuff but that said i don't understand why they can't arrow can't just come out and talk to congress and say sometimes this is a black project that's it or even to the public and say this is a black right. project this is something we're working on we can't talk any more about it Shut up. Yeah, and that I would can just satisfy that. people. Yeah. Go ahead, DJ. I can answer that. That have you ever heard that phrase, I can neither confirm nor deny? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the answer. Yeah, yeah but it's that's not a good answer, that, but that's the answer. No, it could be more transparent. It's not going to happen that, though, is it? Because th yeah. that's the point. The whole thing is they're looking for all these. Either whistleblowers are going to testify. They've got a database. Is it on that or is it in something else? They've got, they're looking at people who are signed into NDAs. They've got multiple lines of finding these things out. And so exactly. the whole point of the thing is that they find, uh, they find the special assets projects that have been not reported to Congress and they, they out them or they out them at least to that mm -hmm. committee. So that that defense wouldn't cut it because they haven't told anybody and therefore democratic accountability is out of the window and all the rest of it. So I, I think that's the because so I, I think it might satisfy the public, but it wouldn't necessarily satisfy this inquiry. But I, I know what you mean because you because they're not even supposed to discuss them. And I think as DJ was implying, it'd be bloody, it'd be very hard to find out about them. So it, it's going to be a real morass that they actually go through. And, bit, and, and I think, Charlie, you might hear that perspective coming back from the military, what you've said as well. So it's, it's That would be refreshing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah I think I, I've not got the actual word into hand as well, but I, when I was reading through uh, the actual, you know, the, the full wording of the, the legislation, that I think some of it in there as well is meant to protect for um, in, in an incident where uh, a member of the military or something like that might be out on a training exercise and they actually do see a, a piece of black budget technology because obviously that exists as well. The US aren't going like, right, we're not going to invent anything else now, we're good. They're obviously always working on amazing new you know, types of vehicles, drones, weapons, whatever it might be. And if somebody sees something like that, isn't read into that project, thinks that it's an anomalous object and reports it to Arrow, you're obviously going to want to limit how far that information goes mm -hmm. as well. So there's going to be things built into the wording of this legislation that protects mm -hmm. actual, like, you know, that's a genuine national security problem. If people are talking and communicating and sharing photographs and videos from sensitive areas about of an actual black budget program, which is, you know, a national security issue, mm -hmm. you don't want that going everywhere, do you? So there's going to be bits in, yeah. in there that are relating to that as well. I know Ash but, is going to say something. I was just yeah, going to say on a Christmas theme, it just makes me think, well, tonight, thank God it's them <laughs> instead of you. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, bring I've been writing it. Yeah, I've been Bob to, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do a UAP version of that song. I've got some great lines in it, but it's not finished yet. Do they Maybe know it's UAP time, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> report time, exactly. That's what it's about, yeah. Doesn't know yeah. about outside your window, all that. Let my man Ash get in there. He, he busting at the scenes. <laughs> go for no, it, man. I'm actually going to go a little bit off topic, because I, no. I just wanted to add um, that we... We are so fortunate that in our field, in the UFO field, that we are actually able to discuss this as something that is happening. Because Greg and I were talking yesterday. We were talking about, can you imagine if there was like the US Army had somewhere that they could report seeing a ghost or with DJ seeing a Bigfoot and they could have these public hearings about ghost reports and Bigfoot reports. I mean, this whole sort of paranormal pseudoscience, whatever you want to call it, they are all intertwined, as we've been sort of finding out. And but on UFO side of it, we've got all these public hearings. Governments taking it seriously, putting millions of pounds into it, going public with it all. We don't have that in other parts of the paranormal that we know of. Obviously, there's been some experiments in the past, but like apart from that, we are so fortunate that we are able to talk about this, and we're having, like, say, these governments being open about it now. So, just want to just. Let's not forget that when but, we talk uh, about all this as well. We're blessed that we have a Christopher Mellon and a Lou Elizondo. If we didn't have those mm -hmm. two, 
we would not be having this discussion right now because there would not be legislation right now. (laughs) I'm not trying to deify these guys or say that it's like the Apostle Paul and Jesus. I'm not saying that, but their connections with the Hill made this something that, that they made this. He said, I brought Eric Davis before the Hill. So going back to Greg's point from earlier and Ben, uh, Ben Hansen, you know, having this, you know, uh, tweet about something that, you know, he should take down because it was proven that it wasn't accurate. Christopher saying, I endorse this person. That's, that's, that's really, he's staking his reputation on it. And because of that, we have, if, because of those two guys, despite all the hate they've gotten on Twitter, which is absurd, we have gotten disclosure and the Bigfoot community and the paranormal community does not have that person. Um, they just don't. I mean, what are you going to, I mean, ghost is going to be even harder than Bigfoot. Bigfoot, there's a physical security issue within the national park system and the state park system that people need to take heed of so that they know what you could be interacting with when you go there. Hmm. And other than some local counties, they're not, they're not talking about it. So we're extremely fortunate to be in this position in the UFO community. Fundamentally, uh, if you think about it, I mean, I've dismissed the violinist for both of you. I heard you saying this, Greg, as well. It's intrinsic in the UAP topic because it's got a defense hook. Absolutely right. If there weren't people who were prepared to knew the system who could prize it open, which nobody else has done, but it's got a defense hook, and that's why it's important. Really, it's not big enough, Bigfoot, because of the national park issue. It's not quite big enough to make it. And again, the paranormal it's sort of uh, it's hard to know where that goes, even though it's important. It's not got an intrinsic, and that's what the difference is, isn't it? Apart from it happening, but I remember you. I heard listen to the show you do yesterday on that, and so you know uh, that's that's the difference, isn't it? Really, it's intrinsic to the UAP, so but it actually connects international policy, and that shows the importance of connecting it to defence. However much people didn't like it, I think. huge. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of them. It's a a really exciting time to be following this topic. I mean, I think that particular aspect of it, I, I, I have conversations with people outside of the UFO community. I always try and, I'm sure we all do, you know, you slip in a little like, oh, by the way, do you see anything about UFOs? Just to see what people's reactions are kind of thing. You know, you don't want to like <laughs> unleash a big rant because then they start looking at you weird and their eyes glaze over. But if you just <laughs> if, if, if you just drop something casually into a conversation to see what the reaction is, um, I think one of the things that always really intrigues people is the concept of like crash retrievals and or as, as the government got something, you know, the American government of the of they got a saucer or whatever it might be. And it's um it's really quite amazing to think that we're actually in a position where Congress is actually asking that same question and, you know, really trying to get to the bottom of that. And that's happening right before our eyes. So it's going to be an interesting year isn't it if uh if all the rumors about who's who's lining up to come forward uh, are actually true so um anyone got anything else to add on that we'll, we'll wrap up in a minute i think oh good i just want to know before we go um i'm curious as to what everybody's festive beverage of choice is and it can be a non-alcoholic beverage as well oh. i'm not i'm not condoning irresponsible drinking so it can I be am. a cup of tea or whatever you want <laughs> um but yeah go on then dj what's your festive beverage mate well you know obviously uh beer uh you know because i am from uh you know montrose new york hendrick cuts in high school we drink beer uh also a little bit of vino right there i love some of Very this nice. 
And uh, and I've got obviously the Yorkshire Gold that you guys took me to task for not too long ago. So yeah. I proper, thought when I was making a, a cup of tea the other day, has DJ got Yorkshire tea? And I thought, I bet he can get it where he is anyway. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm not going to send him any. <laughs> no, thank you, love. They have it at the commissary, believe it or not. Funny thing is about Yorkshire tea is that I used to drink Yorkshire tea all the time, but I actually drink Earl Grey now. And there's a, a, la, a lad who I teach to play the drums who's been coming for lessons for probably about seven or eight years. And uh, one year he bought me a box of Yorkshire gold um, as a Christmas present. And I was like, oh, thanks very much, you know, and was drinking it and stuff like that. The following year, I was actually drinking Earl Grey, but he still brought me a box of Yorkshire Gold. And my cupboard now must have, well, seven boxes of Yorkshire Gold unopened. So if anybody wants some Yorkshire Gold, next time, DJ, I'll give you a box, mate. Yeah, brother. Yeah, I mean, I could be there in January, so yeah. Yeah, it's very kind. (laughs) Just on the off chance that he's listening, thank you for the Yorkshire Gold. It was very nice of you, but uh, unfortunately... (laughs) They have, they, have, they have gathered dust for quite some years now. So uh, what about you, Dave? What's your festive beverage, mate? Oh, well, it's normally uh, a Johnny Walker and Coke, actually. It's my favourite drink. quite like that. I like the old Johnny Walker red label. I'm not, I'm not posh. Uh, you know, uh, but, yeah, that's my, that's my favourite beverage of choice. I got some pies for Christmas, funnily enough, as well. And we can maybe use them on Moultrie's fingernails as they try and get him out. Because you know? they'll be stuck in the door, won't they, as they try to get him out. But anyway, maybe, sorry, that's a bit. I'll shoe on that in there. Not <laughs> very, very good, mate. So, Ash, I'm guessing well, you're on the wicked, is it? Yeah, very wicked, as we mentioned earlier. Definitely me, alcoholic drink of choice. Non-alcoholic, with it being that cold in the UK the last couple of weeks, a nice hot Vimto is, is a go-to as well. You've been knocking a few of them back recently, Ash, I've noticed, on the programmes. There's been a lot of mention of those wickeds. Yeah. It's not just a one-off thing, mate. I can't get with this. The stress is getting to him. I'm pre-WKD from our drinking years, so... Same. Yeah. Yeah. His hair looks great, though, man, Uh, Ash. I was going to say, man. (laughs) Thank you. It's it's mid-style at the minute. I'm halfway through dying it, so it's... uh, Yeah, trying to get... I'm, I'm the same with the yellow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Yes. Trying to make it white. How does Vinny do it? We're going to have to ask him and maybe have like a hair dye podcast. <laughs> That's probably why he's ask- at so much, isn't he? He's probably got a bit of a dye job on the go, mid mid. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about <laughs> you, Charlotte? What's, what's the festive beverage for um, you? I th- well, every year, my um, I call her my mother in law. I'm not married to the guy, but um, yeah, um, she buys us a Chambord, which is a very upmarket raspberry liqueur, isn't it? Um, mm. Which is quite nice to just drink a little bit. Yes, that exactly. The little finger out. Um, her phrase is decorum at all times. So she's very old school, old money. And because she's Scottish, she also gets us a bottle of book fast. So it's a heady mix in my head. Yeah. yeah. Ah, sounds, quite re- sounds quite refreshing, that raspberry liquor. I don't think I've ever tried oh, it. I might mate, have to get on neat. the case. Just have it neat. It's just a little bit. Yeah. It's lovely. Just of an evening. Mm. Well, why not? So uh, what about you, Greg? Uh, I don't really drink, but so my drink of choice, as it is tonight, is tea. I got a big Christmas mug. Very nice, nice, nice mate. That Keep you warm in the nice. cold weather. That's what it's yeah, all about. Definitely. So yeah, I thought you were going to say raspberry liqueur. Then for a second, I was going to be freaked <laughs> out. Well, rum and coke occasionally. If I have to go somewhere for a drink, that's rum and coke is my uh, is my thing. Excellent. 
Right, well, uh, oh yeah, my interesting. About you, Frank, George, yeah. yeah, by the way. Yeah, Frank, um, what about you? You can't yeah, get yeah, out of this. I thought, I thought I'd, I'd wriggle out of that one there for a second, but now, as I mentioned on the podcast a few times recently, it's actually whiskey. I always like a whiskey when it comes to the festive season. Uh, usually single malt scotch just on its own, no ice or anything like that, proper stuff. But this year, I've invented my own cocktail because, uh, again, similar thing, people were getting me bottles of bourbon, and I don't really drink bourbon that much anymore. So I was like, what am I going to do with this bourbon? Not a bad problem to have, is it? I've got like four or five <laughs> four or five litre bottles of bourbon in the house that I need to use. Wow. Like, ah, oh, well, never mind. So, um, yeah, I invented a cocktail. So it is about a third of a, a measure, you know, like a shot measure thing for making cocktail, a third of a measure of lime juice, a full measure of freshly squeezed orange juice, about a third of a measure of sugar syrup, and then two generous measures. What's of sugar syrup? Just like sugar with like water. Maple syrup. Oh, no, just like, like make it yourself. Yeah, well, you can actually buy pre-made uh, sugar syrup for cocktails, or you can just make it yourself. It's just two parts sugar, one part water. You put it in the microwave so it gets hot, and then just keep it in a bottle. And it lasts forever. Um, so here we go. It's like Frank's cocktail class, isn't it? I'm go is it like a hot room toddy? Like hot? Frank, I, well, you, you, I'm, you, I'm going to recommend it. a gut. Agave for the lower glycemic index. That's all I've got to say. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. you can use you can use agave syrup. I, th- I think you can actually use maple syrup. But obviously, it's got a strong mapley sort of taste. But yeah, the actual um, syrup that you make, it's just simple syrup, and it's two parts. You uh, various different ratios, but I do two parts sugar to one part water. You make it hot so that it dissolves. Mm-hmm. Um, so otherwise, it's grainy. But then you let it cool down, and then use it when it's actually cold. So otherwise, you'd end up like a warm, warm cocktail, or whatever. Um, so yeah. It's a third, uh, third lime, third syrup, uh, a full measure of um, fresh orange juice, and then two big shots of bourbon. Stick it in a shaker with some ice. Tell you what, it's actually really nice, and What's I had way called, too many Frank? from yesterday. I don't know. I've not named it. Um, UFO thinker. Uh, that's not yes. a great name for a cocktail, though, is it? Oh, the yes. thinker. Mm. There we go. The the triangle. The think. Yes. Yeah, the the Mycroft Holmes of UFO Twitter here. Yeah. I love it, man. I could see him at the the social club. Yeah, the Diogenes you know. Club. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thinker sounds a bit stuffy, though, doesn't it? For it's not yeah. a very fun name for a cocktail. Yeah. What about the drinker then? The triangle is good. I like yeah. the drinker. Yeah. yeah. You, you might see one like that. Triangle. All right. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. It sounds tr- a bit rude as well, though. Well, 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 bad. I hadn't even thought oh, yeah. that. <laughs> right, well, on that note. We'll draw a veil over that. <laughs> I, think, I think we best do. Right, so thanks very much, everyone. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll stick oh, everybody's hey, Twitter things in the Christmas, description. Happy Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. It's been great to see you. Thanks, Frank. You the newest cabbie, baby, Frank Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of that cab. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Thanks very much. I'll catch you next time. See you later. See ya. See ya. UFO Roundtable. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>